Bill Hunt. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? And look who just showed up at the last second, joining us in studio, my man, the one and only XG in the place to be. What's up? Thanks for coming, dude. And in studio is one of my best friends. He crushed last night at the comedy store, Mr. Eddie Bravo. Thank you, man. Uh, real quick, we're going to bring our guests in two seconds. Uh, we got a big show coming up, Ju- July 6th, Huntington Beach. We're at the rec room, myself, Eddie Bravo, XG, plus we have a, a friend jumping in the host. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be packed out. They're, they're going to be showing, hopefully, the fight in the other room. So come and rock, and uh, it's going to be great. Go to samtriplee.com. We have a ton of new shows coming up. We're coming to Chicago. We're coming to... where? Uh, places. We're going to be... Uh, oh, Bakersfield. Bakersfield. We're, well, I'm proud to announce San Francisco. We're coming back September 13th. We're going to be at Cobb's, and that's the business. We have a short time with our guests and a short time in the studio, so let's get into it. Uh, with great honor, uh, it's I'm so excited to have this man on. Uh, he's kind of the OG of the whole truth community. He's been dropping truth bombs forever. We were supposed to have him on before. Due to miscommunication on my part, it didn't happen, so he's been kind enough to come join us again. Uh, with great honor, please welcome to Tim Fall Hat, Mr. David Ike. How are you, David? Thank you, everybody. I tell you what, I've, uh, I've got a towel with me, which is a real rarity in Britain because it's so bloody hot today. It's humid. You, uh, you get it every day. We get it rarely. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm melting here. Uh, his website is davidike.com, and he has a movie called Renegade that is out now. Uh, there was some controversy, David. Uh, you were in L.A., and they, about an hour before the screening of your movie, they canceled it. Uh, why did they cancel it, and was it ever eventually screened in Los Angeles? Uh, well, no, it wasn't. Um, the thing is, if if you're saying things that, shall we say, the system doesn't want people to hear, then they either tell the truth about what you're saying um, and demonize you that way because you're saying things that um, people wouldn't like or they lie about you. So for decades now, I've been lied about in terms of what I'm saying and um, the, the kind of uh, the, the, the spin and direction I'm putting on it. And so what happens is, you know, we're seeing freedom of speech disappearing and it's amazing if you were at my side in the last few years or more, how easy that is. What happens is, and it, it's getting more and more difficult for me to speak in public, because uh, someone rings the venue, in this case, uh, contacted the venue of the uh, Renegade premiere in Los Angeles at a uh, aerial theater in um, Monica, and obviously said, you know, this guy's a demon, this this guy's saying this, this guy's saying the other. And without checking with you, they um, just believe him. And uh, so we uh, had this uh, premiere at the Aero all planned. It was for about six o'clock in the evening. It wasn't organized by me. It was organized by the American company. That made the film. And um, we're about five minutes away from uh, a technical through at four o'clock, about two blocks away. Phone rang in the back of the car, but producer picked it up. He's got the phone to his ear, but I can hear every word because this guy at the other end's giving it some. He's going hysterical. <laughs> the sinister little um, interchange that went on. Uh, he said, is this a film about David Icke? And the producer said, well, yeah, it is. Does it put him in a good light? 
Well, yeah, it comes across. Well, yeah. Well, we're having it then. And uh, yeah, that, this is this is, people. You know, people will see on the internet that YouTube is demonetizing this or uh, banning that. But if you're actually, if you like, at the coalface of this, you realize just how far it's gone. You know, um, I was banned from Australia, literally the whole country. Yeah, yeah. To go. Um, two hours, no, four hours. I was in L.A. at an airport hotel. Uh, four hours before my uh, plane left to go to Australia to start, I think it was a six-city tour. Um, and it had been arranged for uh, literally months, of course. Um, I was given a, a visa to do it by the immigration ministry in Australia in the September last year. Four hours before the plane left, I'm sitting in a hotel uh, bar in L.A., and um, there was a message came from the Minister of Immigration, a guy called David Coleman, saying um, we're revoking the visa. Cost us £30,000. What's that best part of $50,000 because of oh all the... Oh, my God. All, and, and you get none of that back. The, the government is not um, in any way um, liable for that. The minister's not liable for that. Just says you're not, you're not coming. And nothing had changed, of course, since the visa was given. The minister said in the um, missive that um, he agreed I'd been there 10 times before and there was never a problem. But now, suddenly, four hours before the plane left, this was the, this was the line, I didn't pass the character test. <laughs> and that means that I'm saying something that the government doesn't want people to hear. And, and perhaps even more sinister. Two of the reasons that were given um, was that I had um, unacceptable uh, opinions on vaccinations and unacceptable opinions on the hoax, as I would claim it to be, uh, of human-caused climate change. Uh, now, whatever people may think of that, if we live in a free society, and you guys, I mean, crikey, what must this stuff be like for, for Comedy now. Oh yeah, we're going through it right now. And what you can joke about? Comedy is one of one of the great means of of, of cutting through the crap and just um, uh, you know challenging, questioning, laughing at everything. Most of which deserves to be this crazy world we live in. So um, we've reached this point now where one side of an argument, which the government, the system, the state, whatever you want to call it, I would call it the cabal wants people to believe, and anything that challenges that narrative is now being banned. People are being banned, uh, and, um, of course, the Silicon Valley, the devil's playground, is now <laughs> of this um, this censorship. And, uh, you know, people, people better realize pretty damn quick where this is going, because this is going to a point that, um, and this is where it's meant to go. I have this uh, saying, know the outcome and you'll see the journey. If you know the outcome that's desired, then what appear to be random events suddenly become a, a stepping stone pattern towards that outcome. And the outcome they want is that no one will ever hear anything uh, or see anything that is not uh, approved by, by government, approved by the state. And, and that's the stepping stone we're going towards uh, all the time. And uh, it's getting faster and faster and someone needs to call it out. For sure. I couldn't agree more. We deal with we're dealing with right now with a comedian in Sandy uh, in New York. Louis C.K. did a set and people come out. We've done shows places where uh, we've had our lives threatened. Uh, they didn't show up, thankfully. But the, yeah, they're 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 not just like they're trying to portray it as they're trying to get rid of the right when in reality they're trying to silence truth to power. They're trying to get people, and we're always right. That's the problem, man. I mean, like, whether you want to get into global warming or all that vaccination, we tell you what's going on, and then over time, uh, we're proven right. And everybody's already moved on to the next thing, so they never just sit around to, to you know, basically acknowledge that we had gotten right. Uh, I want to get into something real quick because I know we have a short time. Uh, if you... Our we have a friend of ours. We're not. Gonna, I'm not gonna say his name, but he's slowly coming to our side. Last night he basically said, "I'm a full blown conspiracy theorist now," and you know we start talking about if you had to. Let's start at the top. Who do you believe runs 
everything. And, you know, we just found out that Queen Elizabeth uh, is, uh, she declared she's related to, you know, the Prophet Muhammad. And I felt, I, I go, this is insanity when we find out she's related to Muhammad. All the presidents of the United States are related but one. Uh, how is that possible? Like, what's the power structure? Let's, uh, let's just uh, very quickly just take this uh, whole idea of conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists. Um, that's the great uh, uh, dismissing line for anything that's different from the norm. It's conspiracy theory. Well, the vast majority of it is provable fact, actually. But where did that come from? Uh, the terms conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists came into widespread use because of the CIA. The CIA contacted major media organizations. You can see the, the documents on the Internet in the 1960s and urged them to use the terms conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists to discredit those incredibly lunatic people. <laughs> think that President Kennedy was shot in the forehead by a bullet from behind, you know, didn't believe that one bullet went through loads of different people changing <laughs> Uh, uh, all that stuff. They didn't believe that. And of course, they shouldn't believe it because it was a nonsense. But that was where it came from. That's how conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists came into widespread use. And it's still being used. And it's a reflex action. Someone says anything that's different to the norm, conspiracy theory. Some of us were talking about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq before um, the invasion as being a, a complete hoax, a complete lie. We were called conspiracy theorists. Well, they didn't find them. Now, in this um, whole thing about uh, how the world's controlled, uh, it goes into some very deep areas. And um, I would say in the end, from my research of 30 years, it goes, it goes out of this dimension. But in, in the world that we see, the world that we, we experience, there is a global web um, which works like this. At the center, you've got uh, what I would call the spider. This is the inner... <laughs> A sanctum of the global secret society network and the people that are in there you almost certainly won't know in the public arena um, then the strands in the web immediately around the spider they are the most exclusive secret societies most of them don't even have names because they're much harder to track then and then you come out still in the hidden coming out from the spider in the web and you hit the secret societies we do know about and I'm talking about the inner sanctum of them not you know, everybody, uh, the Freemasons, the Knights of Malta, the Knights uh, Templar, the uh, Opus Dei, the inner, inner circle of the Jesuit order and so on. And then you come out and out and out and you meet a point that I call the cusp. And this is where you, you, you have organizations that are kind of semi-secret. You kind of know they exist, but what they do is not publicly known. And we're talking there about the Council on Foreign Relations in America that has driven American foreign policy since it was uh, formed in 1921. Uh, the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, again, created by the Rockefeller family and Zbigniew uh, Brzezinski, Jimmy Carter's former national security advisor. And, and the Club of Rome, this is an interesting one in relation to global warming. The Club of Rome was created in the 1960s to use environmental concerns as an excuse to transform human society. And I'm talking to someone who used to be a national spokesman for the British Green Party. I, I care about the environment, but I, I don't care about being lied to and the environment used to uh, transform society into a centralized uh, global state, which is what uh, is, is being suggested to save the world from something that's actually not happening. So um, the uh, next stage after this, these cusp organizations, which are groupings of people in banking, government, business, uh, government administration, uh, intelligence, media. Um, through that, we head into the world of the scene. We see government agencies. We see what we see on the news, the, what governments do, what banking systems do, what corporations do, what Silicon Valley does. And they appear in the world of the scene to be completely random and unconnected. But the major society transforming ones um, if, you, if you look at the pattern that where they're taking us, uh, you, you need to go back to the spider because that's where it's coming from. And in this way, what Silicon Valley is doing and what governments are doing and um, what the global warming movement is doing are actually all connected because there is a, a global agenda 
to turn uh, human society literally into a mirror of, um, of Orwell's 1984. And I was writing about this 30 years ago, and look at it. 1984 is unfolding before our eyes all the time. And uh, so it's not happening randomly. It's happening by design. And this is the structure that allows one central point to dictate uh, global policy in terms of the way society and the direction society goes. And um, so when I've been around the world uh, into country after country after country, year after year after year, I see the same things being introduced, the same changes taking place, often justified by the same excuses, overwhelmingly so. Even the wording of the legislation can be almost a mirror um, in country after country. Now, that only happens because it's centrally controlled and centrally dictated. And it's this web of secret societies that allows that to, to, uh, to happen. When uh, at the top, uh, is it Queen Elizabeth? Is it the Jesuits? Or is there an eight-foot... What about the Vatican? The... How high is the Vatican? Well, well, they're, they're, they're all involved in this. You see, if, if, if this, this, whole, um, this whole cabal, this whole... Oh, he's going to say it, conspiracy. <laughs> he's not something that started five years ago, 50 years ago. This goes back literally thousands of years. And it's been a process of basically in its foundation form of constantly centralizing power. Um, and I'll come to the Vatican in a minute because that's very relevant to what I'm about to say. So you start off in tribes and the people of the tribe decide what the tribe does. You then bring a vast number of tribes together, or at least a, a significant group of them, and you call it a country. Now, a few people at the center of the country, the nation, is now dictating to all the former tribes. And in Europe, um, with the European Union, we've now had the nations now centrally controlled by unelected dark suits. We have this, these trade groupings, which are basically centralization of power. Um, and, and this has been the, the, the constant um, process, fewer and fewer controlling more and more. And of course, a long time ago in this process, we, we gave a name to it, globalization. Globalization is simply the centralization of power in the hands of the few over more and more and, uh, and more. And, and like I say, it goes back thousands of years. So if you want to understand the Vatican, you've got to understand Babylon. Because if you go back to Babylon, um, which is basically the spiritual home of this cabal in so many ways, they actually worship the, the, the rich in, the, in their, their rituals, the religion of Babylon. Um, in Babylon, they worshipped a trinity of um, the uh, father god, Nimrod, uh, the son, the virgin-born son called Tamas or Ninus, and the third point of the trinity was a goddess called Queen Semiramis. And um, the story said that when Nimrod died, um, uh, uh, he became part of the sun god Baal and impregnated um, Queen Semiramis uh, with the rays of the sun. And she gave birth to the virgin uh, Tamos Ninos. Now, when that Babylonian, uh, that bloodline group, that uh, belief system moved in on Rome, um, basically they took the same religion. And uh, so what uh, Rome created was their version of this Babylonian religion, which was the father god, uh, the, uh, the virgin-born son. And instead of uh, Queen Semiramis at the other point, they had the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, which Christianity um, symbolizes as a dove, which is how Semiramis was symbolized in Babylon. And all the... Uh, characteristics and traits and names that were given to Queen Semiramis in Babylon, like Queen of Heaven, uh, Virgin Mother, were um, given in uh, the Roman version to a uh, the character of Mother Mary. So what you had was an, an outward expression of this Babylonian religion, where instead of um, literally um, drinking the blood and eating the flesh as they do in Satanism and they did in uh, Babylon and this cabal still do in their satanic rituals amazing as it may seem to people who are hearing this for the first time they have the uh, the rituals of drinking the blood as red wine and and, and as bits of bits of biscuit you know yeah it's an, yeah 
acceptable version of what in the background, in the shadows, in the very dark places, um, these people actually literally um, get up to. And uh, so uh, it's uh, something that has moved through thousands of years, but um, has just continually centralized power to the point now where we're heading to the ultimate point of power, because this is where it's been heading. And that is connecting uh, the human mind, the human brain to artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence becomes the human mind. It becomes human thinking, human perception, human emotional response, or what would pass for it then. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're looking in, uh, in the face of this end game that has taken thousands of years to get there. And um, it's happening before our eyes. And this is not me pulling this out of the ether. People like Ray Kurzweil in Silicon Valley, the Google executive, he's openly talking about the uh, human brain will be connected to artificial intelligence by, he gives a, a date of around 2030. And uh, artificial intelligence is taking over everything. Look at it. You know, um, they want uh, artificial intelligence cars, artificial intelligence lifestyles in every form. And that will control human society. It already increasingly is. So here's the question. Who's controlling artificial intelligence? Because once you have artificial intelligence literally controlling everything and becoming the perceptions of humanity via the connection to the human mind, which is where they're going, uh, whoever controls artificial intelligence controls everything, Enti the entirety of human society. So if you look at the story, they've started way back and more and more centralized power to the point now where the ultimate centralization of power, which is the control of human perception uh, at source, AI, um, is, is um, basically um, looking us in the face. So as we get into this, we see like NASA, we've seen like global warming, vaccinations. These seem to be all giant money grabs. Um, Eddie, do you want we were talking about last night? Uh, your your perception of Earth is it is it a, do we live on a ball? Do we live on a, a flat plane? Is this well, before we get into that? Um, William Cooper, author of uh, Behold a Pale White Horse, he he firmly he believed he was he worked for the Office of Naval Intelligence. He was. Uh, he was in charge of preparing briefings for, um, uh, you know, Navy admirals and stuff. And in these preparations, and, and he was putting uh, um, documents in logical order for these briefings. He came across um, uh, an operation called Operation Majority, and it had a project in there called Project Red Light, and it was all it was all alien stuff about uh, reverse engineering, crash UFO technology. So at first he thought, "Oh my God, this is real! I mean, UFOs are real." I'm looking at these briefings, and and then he began to realize that they wanted him to leak it, and that there's been an operation going on where they um, they're trying. Uh, he basically believed that uh, the, the technology was real. But the extraterrestrial part of it was nonsense, and he's and and he he got balls deep into researching everything about UFOs, and he he realized that since at least 1917, at least he he thinks probably before that there's been an ongoing um, operation to uh, uh, prepare us for an artificial extraterrestrial uh, invasion, and that's supposed to be the ultimate way to uh, usher us into a one-world uh, totalitarian socialist uh, government. And so he basically believed that, you know, all this space, all these space movies and comic books since the... So when you look at Roswell, 1947, the end of World War II, 1945, Operation Paperclip, we bring in all, all the Nazis. The Nazis were already scaring their people with fake UFOs. They were making fake UFOs and trying to scare their people. So it seemed like when we brought over the Nazis and Warner von Braun, it seems like they were like, 
um, uh, you guys need to step up your alien UFO game. So Roswell happens and all these movies and, and comic books. And, and then you look at like E.T. and Star Trek was created by Freemasonry and Star Wars. And, how, and then you look at children's programming. I got a seven-year-old and it's just space down his throat all day. Space, space, space. And then you look at the origins of like the Big Bang and people think the Big Bang was, was an, invented by some astrophysicist when it was actually a priest. A priest from the Vatican uh, came up with the Big Bang Theory. So uh, little by little, you, you start to think like, wait a minute. And then now on CNN, they're pushing aliens, aliens all over CNN. So that's, that's a big red flag right there. What do you think about the fake alien invasion? Do you think Bob Lazar is being told to uh-huh. like, let him out type of thing? Yeah, that's possible. I think Bob Lazar is like William Cooper who didn't figure it out. Like William Cooper figured it out that he was he, they wanted him to leak. Because look at Bob Lazar puts on a Netflix documentary and then he's on JRE and he's still alive. And all, I mean, and all he claims I, is like that he's his like, friends got in trouble. I believe, I believe Bob Lazar believes what he, what he saw. Your I thoughts, believe that. D- I David? think they set him up. Your thoughts? What do you think you know, of that? You know, the, the, the truth I, I find it, it, uh, in my life is, is never black and white. It's always a shade of gray. And, um, you know, when, um, you know, I've talked about there being a non-human element and uh, not necessarily extraterrestrial in terms of what, what that conjures in people's mind, but an extra, a, a non-human element to this uh, human um, uh, structure of control. I should be saying, see, told you, told you, when, as you rightly say, we're now seeing the American Navy being much more laid back about, yeah, we're seeing all these craft and we can't explain them and all that stuff. But I'm not. I'm the opposite. Because if you look at the night sky and you're looking at a tiny fraction even of the Milky Way galaxy when you do that, you see all those lights and all that apparent distance, the idea that we're alone on a planet which according to mainstream science compared with the size projected size of the universe planet earth is the equivalent of a billionth of a pinhead so the idea that we are alone and there's not other life out there for me crosses the line of insanity but if we're going to understand what's going on and we're going to be streetwise then we we have to look at evidence and we have to look at um who benefits from believing this or believing that and there's, I absolutely agree with you. There is a um, an agenda which um, could quite possibly be played, which is to uh, fake a, an alien invasion. Because I've just been talking there about um, what what it's all about. It's about the centralization and centralization of centralization of power. Politically, militarily, they want a world army. They want a world central bank. They want a world currency, which I've been saying for decades is designed to be just digital money no 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 cash at all and look look the way that's going now if you look at the outcome of um an alleged alien invasion in fact ronald reagan kind of articulated it when he was in power he said that if if there was a threat from beyond we'd all come together and if you look at what happens when a country's at war you get a war cabinet. There's the centralization of power. A lot of de- de- democracy things get pushed aside because we must fight the war. What would happen if, if, if a, a fake alien invasion was, was played and, and people believed it is you would have the ultimate uh, excuse to centralize power on a global level, military power, all power to react to this threat. And um, I think that there's a very good chance that that is um, waiting in in the shadows to be played. Yes. And that's why whatever subject you're dealing with, whether it's extraterrestrials or UFOs or whatever it is, you have to keep one step back and and keep streetwise. Never mind, you know, this is telling me what I'd like to be true, telling me what I've said is true. What what who benefits from this? So what is the reason that this is happening? So, um, yes, there is non-human life out there. Of course there is. But is there a a plan, an agenda to use the fake alien invasion to justify centralization of global power? There's a very good chance that's the case, yes. And there's lots of evidence to support that over the years. Now, what do you believe about uh, in regards to the moon landing? Do you think NASA faked the moon landings? 
I, I think that um, they've had, they have technology. You've just mentioned it. They have technology that is way beyond the space shuttle um, and way beyond anything that we see in the public arena. And it's because they have that technology that they can, uh, it's like I've been saying for years, you know, just because you see a flying saucer doesn't mean it's flown by an alien. You know, it's a very good chance it's flown by a human out of somewhere like uh, Area 51 or something because they have this technology. And this is one of the things that is very, very important for people to appreciate. Whatever the cutting edge of technology we see in the public arena, it's way behind what they have in the shadows. Yeah. But as far as, as, far as proof, though, do you... Do you believe that Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong made it to the moon? I don't know. I you, haven't, know. you haven't you haven't looked into it? I don't know. Not 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 uh, on uh, in the in the way that I've looked at loads of other things, but uh, um I don't know. I uh, but all you, I can say is um at that time they would have had technology that was way beyond what they claimed to have got there in. I think there are many questions about it. I think there's loads and loads of questions about it. Uh but um you know, it's uh, it's not something I've taken a lot of time to to, to look at. Do you know what, what I have? What I have looked at though um, is <laughs> what the moon is. What is the moon? What is the moon? Well, um, I was um, I was minding my own business as, as usual many years. Ago. <laughs> what happens in my life is is a subject will come up, and then out of nowhere, like a new one. And suddenly, information about that subject is coming at me from all angles. And this happened with the moon. And um, I, uh, I read a book called Who Built the Moon wow. by a couple of researchers um, who were looking at the extraordinary anomalies in the moon. There are so many anomalies that, that, that can't be answered about why this is, why that is, why this is. And then I read an article by um, two Soviet um, scientists, members of the Soviet Academy of Sciences, which is actually written as long ago as 1970, um, where they were suggesting that all these anomalies could be answered in one fell swoop if the moon was not a natural body. And they suggested that it was some kind of uh, vast uh, craft, and again, don't look at this from our level of technological knowledge and our level of perception. This is the big mistake people make. They start out by what is happening here as being the arbiter of what is possible. That's a big mistake. What is possible, the arbiter of what is possible, is, is that which, which through um, evidence makes, makes sense. Uh, and, and, um, and when you um, look at this article by these scientists, it made a heck of a lot of uh, sense. And their suggestion was that the moon is actually occupied inside, and that's where it all is. And the outside is basically um, there to protect the inside from all the challenges and things that smack against the moon from the outside. And they explain how the moon uh, is structured. Uh, in a way that makes absolute sense that there is kind of an outer shell protected inside. One of the things that they point out, and many others have pointed out, for instance, is the craters um, go down the kind of almost a uniform level, a uniform depth. No matter how big they are, i.e. how big the thing that hit the surface or whatever made them, pretty much the same. And what these scientists were saying is that's because... You go down so far and bang, um, you meet this um, this resistance, which is what the, 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 the moon is created with to protect uh, the inside. Whoa. And I've, uh, there were a, a, um, a lot of whistleblowers that spoke at the uh, press club in Washington many years ago now, people who worked for NASA, who were giving their evidence of pictures they'd seen of the moon on the far side of the moon and what was actually there um, and uh, they were they were buildings, they were uh, human made or, or, or kind of uh, not natural made um, structures and it, there's been a lot of people that have uh, come out over the years and, uh, and, and talked about that and when you um, look at 
how they say the moon was created, it makes no sense at all. Basically, they don't know. They have this, um, this theory that when the Earth was being formed, um, a Mars-type planet smacked into it, and, um, and some of it broke away, and it became the moon. And then when the physics of that didn't work out, they, they, they had another go at it, and they decided that this Mars-type planet smacked the Earth and then went away and came back and smacked it again. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't know, do you? And the, um, the, the moon is a, an incredible anomaly. For instance, the size of it should not be orbiting a planet the size of Earth. It shouldn't be. It's 2,160 miles across. So there are loads and loads of uh, um, questions about that. And in uh, some of the books, one called um, Human Race Got Off Your Knees, I've gone into all this moon stuff in great, great detail because there is a lot of evidence to say it's not what we think it is. Unbelievable. Have you ever uh, heard the theory that it's an energy collector? Uh, you know, the Archons, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, that basically that's why it affects our tide and stuff like that. When we pass on, our energy goes up and then we get reborn into this reality. We're almost like, in a weird way, uh, a battery, an energy force. Well, I, I think we are. I mean, it's take a long time to, to, to ex explain this from my point of view, but let's put it this way. When, when Morpheus holds up the battery in the Matrix and says uh, the, the machines have turned humans into one of these, um, he was speaking a very profound uh, truth uh, when I explained this in my books in, in, in great detail. The, the, thi the thing that um, keeps people in perceptual servitude more than anything is the way that the nature of reality itself has been suppressed. If, if you said to um, most people, um, is the world solid? They'd say, well, of course it is. Um, uh, if, if you um, look at it, however, through quantum physics, etc., you find that the world is not solid at all. It's just energy that is vibrating slow enough to appear to have a state of solidity and the, the world that we think is outside of us and, and solid is actually in here. You know, it's the very same principle and, and interestingly, this technological world that is unfolding around us now is mirroring, mimicking the very reality that we experience in what we call life. Um, it, if you have a, a Wi-Fi field of information a radiation field of information. But, well, where is it? If it's in your studio now, where is it? You can't see it. Why? Because it's outside the frequency band of human sight. And if, if I said to people that knew nothing about computers, in this room is a field of information that if you lock into it, you enter a whole collective reality that can be accessed anywhere in the world, in Australia, in America, Britain, anywhere, and you all experience the same reality. People say, you're mad, mate, because what would they <laughs> say? Well, where is it? I can't see it, so it can't exist. But because today people know about Wi-Fi and they know about computers, if you say, you know, there's a field of information in this room, radiation information in this room, and if you, if you lock your computer into it, you can uh, pull it onto the screen, people will say, well, yeah, of course you can. I know about Wi-Fi and computers. Yeah, that's right. And the only difference there between you're mad, that's crazy, man, and yeah, I know about that, yeah, 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 is knowledge. It's knowledge of the existence of Wi-Fi and the knowledge of the existence of computers. Now, if you take the human body, what I call the biological computer, to be like the, the computer I'm talking about, the one in front of me now, and you take Wi-Fi uh, to be what I call cosmic Wi-Fi, which is the waveform information level of this reality on which, uh, from which everything comes, the information from which everything is um, manifest, then what we're doing is taking that waveform information and we're decoding it um, through the five senses into holographic information. 
which is all in here. Just like the computer I'm looking at now, what I'm looking at is inside the computer. Um, and this world is inside us. If you um, look at the five senses, what do they do? Take the ear. That's a classic example, but they're all the same. It takes waveform information called sound waves. It turns the, the ears turn it into electrical information. They communicate it to the brain, and the brain then decodes it into well, holographic information, the information that we think is the world around us. Uh, whether, whether it's the taste senses, the touch senses, the sight senses, they're all doing the same thing, decoding waveform information like Wi-Fi in a computer into um, the reality we experience as around us, but actually is all in here. And so when you come from that perspective of reality, um, it's not like the perception of solidity where if you believe in a world of solidity, what's the first thing that you, you are dealing with? Absolute, complete limitation. There's, there's almost nothing you could do in a world of solidity. But when you are um, dealing with a world that's, that's, that's malleable, that can react to, uh, the perception can react to thought because it's waveform information, it's not solid matter, then this starts to explain, if you play it through, all these apparently so-called paranormal things but mainstream science says not possible. Why is it not possible? Because you can't do that in a solid world. No, but the world's not solid. So paranormal things become explainable once you realize the world is not solid, that basically it's energy, decoded energy, and not actually solidity. Um, recently, you were asked about flat earth, and your answer was, uh, how would we know? So to me... My, my answer is, um, I've not I've not looked at it. Um, uh, I'm open to anything if the information uh, stands up. Uh, the reason I've not looked at it is my uh, intuitively I've not felt to, but also because um, there are many other things I think are more important for me to 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 delve into. Because you know what what, I, what have I just described? What I've just described basically is a simulated computer program. I think the Matrix movies, in their visual representation, yeah. were spot on in the basic themes of this reality we're living in. It's I a agree. It's a simulation. Now, um, if, if I want to put a round Earth on this computer screen, and I was savvy enough with computers to do it, I would put the codes in, press enter, and I would have a round Earth on my screen. If I wanted a flat earth, I'd change the codes, I'd press enter, and I'd get a flat earth. Under um, uh, the, the, the whole idea that this is a simulation, a simulation of codes and information which we are decoding into an apparent reality, anything becomes possible. Because even, even the laws of physics are only, are only a code. You know, the, the laws of physics... I mean, if you, if you have a, a computer program and you write a computer program... Uh, with specific laws of that computer program. What are they in our reality? They're nothing more than that computer uh, program's laws of physics. You want to change the laws of physics and have a different way that the computer program works? Change it, you've got a different law of physics. And that's why, uh, for instance, you know, um, uh, who've had near-death experiences in their millions and, and left the body in terms of their perception, their reality, they talk about um, once you're outside the body, the, what we call the laws of physics, what we call reality, is vastly different to the one that we we are decoding, what we are experiencing. I say decoding, and, and if you um, look at, um, you know, take a, a deep breath and just look at the um, the reality of what we're experiencing, according to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum is 0.005% of what exists in the universe. Visible light, which is the only frequency band that we can see, everything you can see is within that band, is a smear of the 0.005%. The almost entirety of reality um, is unseen to us. It's unknown to us. And yet we, we make these, um, these pronouncements of how things are while sitting in a tiny band of frequency um, disconnected from 
the infinity that lies beyond it. And so we should not fall into the idea that, that just because we experience certain things in this band of frequency, this world, this simulation, that beyond it, reality, life, is absolutely anything like what we're experiencing. It's only what we're experiencing. Uh, and um, if we're judging possibility out there from what we experience here, we're never going to get there. We're never going to get there because we'll always be saying not possible, no direction. Anything is possible. It could be a holodeck. It could okay, be- changing the subject real quick. What do you think about Q and Trump? What was the first word? Uh, Q, Q, Q. You know how no, there's Q, Q anonymous in America. We have this whole thing where we're supposed to be getting this inside information about what's going on versus the Kabul that uh, Trump is supposed to represent a change, whether it's military intelligence versus the Kabul. You're not you're not familiar with the Q movement at all. No, I've already come across that. No. Okay. All, all right. Okay. What do you What do you think about what Trump's doing? Well. Um, I've written about this uh, system, this structure, for a, a long, long time, and it just keeps uh, perpetuating. Um, people talk about uh, the government, and they perceive that as the next bloke um, in a rosette um, who appears as something called a president or a prime minister. That's not the way it works. They're the here today, gone tomorrow, come and go people. The real government is the permanent government. Now, I've been writing about this now for nearly 30 years, and, and, and suddenly the deep state becomes almost common parlance. The deep state is not the permanent government. It's part of the permanent government. The permanent government is that structure that controls um, the banking system. It comes out of the secret societies I described earlier. Comes out of the banking system, uh, uh, controls the banking system. It controls the major corporations. It controls governments, government administration, controls the intelligence agencies, the military. As we go into the deep state element of that, um, and that's always there. If you're going to uh, follow um, how the world's controlled, look at what's always there. And no matter who comes and goes, that's always there. And for instance, in the um, Republican Party, you have a group uh, known as the neocons or neoconservatives that control the Republican Party. They controlled uh, uh, Bush, uh, for instance, um, uh, uh, during the uh, uh, post 9-11 period. In the Democrat Party, you have another group that I call the Democons uh, that control the Democratic Party. I'm talking people like uh, George Soros and, uh, and such like. And the thing to understand is that if you go one step back into the shadows, the neocons and the democons answer to the same master. They answer to this permanent government. So whoever comes and goes as apparent Democrat or Republican presidents, that permanent government is always in power. And that's why no matter who comes and goes, the, the world keeps going in the same direction. So quick one. In uh, September 2000, um, an organization in America called the Project for the New American Century, which was made up of people who would very soon afterwards become the Bush administration. We're talking Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, uh, Zakheim, all these people. They produced a document um, which was demanding that uh, American forces fight what they called multiple theater wars in a list of countries to regime change those countries. Those countries uh, were um, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Iran, Lebanon, North Korea, China, and so on. Um, and um, after that document was published, and by the way, they said in that document, that for this series of regime changes to be justified, they had to have a... Um, an event that would uh, turn public opinion into supporting that. And this was the, uh, the wording in that document, September 2000. Um, the process of transformation or this regime change would necessarily be slow, absent some catalyzing and, cat uh, and catastrophic event like a new Pearl Harbor. Um, one year to the month, 
nine months after the people that wrote that document came to power, a year after it was published, America had what um, George Bush called at the time the Pearl Harbor of the 21st century. What happened then is this list started getting ticked off. Uh, And Blair went into Iraq based on a lie. Okay, they go. In comes Obama. Now, he's a Democrat. He's not a Republican. Um, And in came David Cameron in Britain, who's a conservative, not a Labour Party man like um, uh, Blair claimed to be. But they pick off Libya and then start the process of uh, regime change in Syria, which only uh, Russian intervention has stopped. Then they go and in comes Trump. And now look what's happening here with Iran. What you have, therefore, is a, is a process of what, no matter who's in power, Republican or Democrat, the same process, the same direction of society continue. The same list is being ticked off. North Korea as well um, has come into the mix under Trump. And um, it's because the permanent government is driving this and not... Um, the here today gone to more politicians. For instance, the man driving the Iran, uh, the wanting an Iran war is John Bolton, yeah. security advisor of uh, of Donald Trump. He was a member of the Project for the New American Century that produced this document in September 2000. So, um, if people want to see who's running America, any other country too, come to that. Look at that structure that's always there. Don't look at the here today, gone tomorrow people, because they're just pawns in a game that most of them don't even understand, though some will. Uh, Mr. Ike, as we uh, we got a couple minutes left here, uh, I wanted to ask you, you're, you're somewhat known for your discussions on shape-shifting lizard people. I was told that recently you might have uh, walked back from those statements or felt like maybe... It, no, no, okay, perfect. Can you uh, tell us? Can, uh, can I say one thing real quick? Is um, I've I've been a fan for uh, twenty years, David, and um, the one thing that people can't get over is when you talk about uh, the reptilians. And the crazy thing is, most people believe in UFOs. That's fine. Believing in UFOs is fine, but when or you start but, or like aliens, but when you start talking about reptilians, like what do you think these fucking UFO <laughs> pilots look like? They're, if you believe in UFOs, what if if a UFO came down and we were we were told that there were you know that reptilian blood, we wouldn't we wouldn't flinch. But uh, when you so explain that the thing the thing is I, I mean I just say to people who you know just look at the night sky realize you're looking at a tiny uh, part of one galaxy and the latest estimate i saw is that in the in the universe there uh, having having been claimed to be one galaxy up to the 1920s they're now the highest estimate now among scientists is they're two trillion galaxies in the universe so oh my god there is there is rather a chance we're not alive you know what i mean so let's just get that, that out of the way where did this reptilian thing come from um, i didn't sit in this room uh you know a darkened room smoking some weed or something. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm basically a journalist who doesn't have an editor that says you can't say that and you can't go there. And what happened is I was traveling America in the 1990s and in a period of 15 days, and I was traveling to a different city every day, uh, 12 different people uh, described the same thing to me. Seeing someone who appeared to be human, change into a reptilian form and back again. Not always reptilian, but in this case they were. Um, And that was the, if you like, the trigger that started um, a lot of that kind of information coming into my life. Whenever I went, came back to Britain, I was doing the same thing. Um, So then I'm thinking, okay, um, what I do when I come across something apparently crazy is I don't just go, oh, load of rubbish. I put it on the back burner. And I, I, I see, I'll, I'll wait to see what else comes. And eventually, not always, but most t- times, you'll get enough information eventually that your line will cross and you'll actually start putting it out there. You know what's going to come back, but I'm interested in the truth, not a round of applause. <laughs> and when I start meeting people, because I was traveling America a lot at the time, shall we say insiders of the military um, intelligence complex who don't like what's going on, and they were telling me about this stuff, about this reptilian stuff. Behind this 
a non-human force that, not in its entirety, but at its controlling level. Then I start traveling and I start meeting shamans around, like um, Aborigines and uh, uh, um, uh, shamans who, that, from the, the Zulu nation in um, South uh, Africa and others. And they start telling me the ancient legends and accounts of the gods um, that took a reptilian form and were manipulating human society going back thousands of years. The Zulus call them the Chittahuri or the children of the serpent or the devastators, as they also call them. And so what happened um, over a, a, a long period is that this information is building and building and building from ancient and modern and people's experiences. And eventually it re reached a point where I, I thought, I'm going to go with this because it makes sense to me. Once you do that, then a lot more information starts coming because people who think I can't say about my experience because I think I'm mad realize that you won't. You'll give them a hearing. And it's interesting. We talk about shape-shifting after what I've just been talking about earlier. Because this is the big resistance to shape-shifting, and I completely understand it. People say you can't change from a solid body to a solid body and back again. You can't. And you know, you can't. But the body's not solid. The body is an information field. It's a waveform information field. On one level, we call it the auric, but it's the information field. It's like a, if you like, a body Wi-Fi. And these um, bloodlines that actually drive this cabal hybrid genetics. They have hybrid information fields. One is human, one is not human. Often, but not always. Therefore, as they are operating within human society, the field that is the dominant one is the human field. So if I'm looking at them, I'm decoding in the way that I've described, I'm decoding the human field. I see a human. If that non-human field becomes the dominant one, which it, it can uh, ha happen uh, not uh, by choice, people get to real deep levels of fury and rage, the electrical uh, charge of that can shift this, this hybrid field. Many people have described that to me around the world over the years. But if that other field becomes the dominant one, then suddenly to the observer... They were decoding the human field. I'm looking at a human. Now suddenly they're decoding a non-human field. And to the observer in the decoded um, perception, someone's just changed from a solid human body to a solid non-human body. But that's not what's happened. The field of information has, um, has uh, shifted. And if you go and, and look at um, ancient shamanistic accounts around the world, not just reptilian shape-shifting, but shape-shifting is part of their culture because um, they understand that reality is not the solid reality that we think it is, and therefore what people say is impossible. It's not impossible if, if you see reality as it, uh, as it really is. And I'll tell you a quick story if I've got time about this. Okay. I was, I, 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 it was in California, funnily enough. I uh, turned up at a, a multi-speak conference. It was quite a few years ago now. And uh, there was someone speaking in the hall, and I just arrived, and I, I was walking around, and I walked in the little area where people were selling books, and there was only one person there, and he was a, a good old boy, kind of, you know, um, patriotic American guy, right? And um, he wrote uh, or published a, a newspaper, uh, an alternative newspaper, and he said to me, he said, oh, nice to meet you. He said, um, um, I like your stuff, he said, but... This reptilian stuff, this, this shape-shifting stuff, I can't get the head around that. And I said, like I can say to everyone else, take what feels right, leave the rest. 24 hours later, he's come up to me. He says, um, I know what you mean. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've just seen it. Seen what? He said, I've seen a shift. And he told this story. Um, he'd written an article in this newspaper that he um, the edition before. And another speaker arrived who took big exception to it. And they were having this enormous row in a bar right in reception in this hotel. It's in Santa Clara. And uh, so much so, the manager came over and said, gentlemen, would you please leave because um, you're upsetting the guests. 
So this guy, this good old boy, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. So he walks towards the elevator and uh, stands uh, and presses the floor and it starts to close. This guy, uh, who's um, absolutely furious with him, given what I said earlier about that, um, puts his arm through the elevator, the doors open, and he, he goes right in his face. And I know, I, I know, I know of this guy, he does that. Um, and this guy said, his eyes were reptilian, clear as day. Their eyes had changed from human to reptilian. And that, that's something that's been described to me endless times around the world. If, some, if they don't experience this full body shift, which takes more energy, obviously, then the eyes are the first things to go. Uh, and they take on a, a, a reptilian look, not a, not a, a, a human look with a round pupil. Um, and I've been told so many stories around the world by so many people who were totally unconnected to each other. Uh, and in the end, you say, look, um, I've got so much information. I've had so much uh, confirmation. The only reason that I won't put this out is I know what people will say. Well, I don't give a damn what people say. I'm not interested in what people say in terms of they, they have a right to their opinion, but not a right to stop me having mine. And um, so I, I'm interested in what's happening. And I can tell you after 30 years, and you guys have done research as well, so you'll know uh, as well. Uh, this world is not just a little bit not like we thought it was. This world is nothing like we thought it was. And only when we realize that can what's really happening in the world start to make sense, because it doesn't um, at the moment to most people. David, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You were absolutely excellent. You came, you saw, you kicked a whole lot of ass. <laughs> And I'm so thankful that you would spend a little time with our little show. His movie is Renegade. His website is davidike.com. Man, I, I appreciate it. I hope uh, you do a, some speaking engagement in Los Angeles because I'd love to hear you talk for a long period of time. I'd love to, I'd love to talk everywhere. Um, but suddenly, it's more difficult. It must be because I'm saying something right. That's usually the case. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate Jeez. you're wonderful. We'll do it again, hopefully down the line. Thank Eddie you. Bravo, XG, I love you guys. Icon, thank you guys so much. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Take care. Welcome to from the fountains of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim Foyle hack. Tim Foyle hack.